0: Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Nightmare on Sedgwick Avenue podcast. This is season four, episode eight, I believe, actually, or actually nine now, uh, episode nine. So um, today I have a really cool guest. Um, She goes by Jennifer Cooksey. She is an artist, a curator, a writer little bit of everything she's just an overall creative she's here um, located in San Diego and um, she is also known for creating uh, the creator of Creep uh, in the Corner which is a book series and also a creature she created so we'll we'll get to talk to that about that in a little bit but without further ado let me bring her on the screen here hey Jennifer
1: hey thanks for having me I'm so happy to be here
0: Thank you, thank you for like again taking the time. Been uh, trying to have you on. I know I've had Horrorgasm before. Um, I had one of um, the founders, and you yourself are a founder of it as well. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, thank you again for for joining me today. Um, And then obviously I introduced you a little bit, but if you don't mind, kind of like talking a little bit about how you got into you know like the creative community, how you started, like what, how did you you know start art and all that stuff.
1: Um, well, I started out as a visual artist. Mm-hmm. And I really loved horror. So I kind of really like leaned into horror pop art. And eventually I got hooked up with Thumbprint Gallery and La Bodega Gallery and now Manbicho. Um, So we have all this really like solid art community here. And I was very much embraced. And so I started doing visual art. And then I realized like I had stories in me. I, I want to tell stories too. Yeah, and. I could do it with visual art, but I wanted, I wanted it to be my story. I wanted to start sharing stories that were in my head or things I thought. So that's how I started getting into writing. And I started writing my first novel in 2018 (laughs) Um, while working full time and doing curating and doing art shows and trying to be as busy as possible. So I just kind of like fell into these things. And then with HorrorGasm. I wanted to connect with the horror community here in San Diego. I know yeah. we have a really large community and I kind of wanted to celebrate everything. So yeah. uh, with my other artist friends, we formed Horrorgasm and so yeah. we do art themed events and all kinds of fun horror stuff locally. And then now we're, we have our own like indie comic and we have writers from all over the place, but mostly mostly focus on San Diego writers and talents, yeah. which is, there's a lot.
0: <laughs> there is, <laughs> and how did you start like actually doing like visual art? like where did you pick that from like is it somebody like a family member does it run in the in the family or how did you fall in love with like art in general? Oh
1: I, yeah, I got really lucky. So my whole family is very artsy. Okay. Um, all of my siblings, we've always been encouraged to draw. I always had crayons in my hands, but what got me started with art was actually. My mom, um, she really loved Dia de los Muertos art. She had, she would always decorate ofrendas very beautifully, and she she loved it because it represented her culture. And me wanting to connect, I decided, well, you know what, I should try doing some art. And I just got some clay, <laughs> bit pieces of wood, and was just playing around trying to make something happen. And she was very encouraging. And actually, I think art saved me. I can I can really say that art saved me at so many points in my life. Um, When my mom passed away, it was like a desperation to hold on to that culture because she was my link to it. You know, she taught me our culture. She gave me cultural pride. And I thought, oh, no, without her, it's going to be gone yeah and so I worked really really hard to stay connected and so I started doing a lot of cultural and then folklore themed arts and then it just kind of moved into horror and pop art as I kept kind of growing as an artist but really I didn't know what I was doing I just (laughs) kind of jumped in and gave it a try but I was like 19 at the time so ignorance of youth yeah (laughs) And I didn't you, know anything.
0: And uh currently, like what you do like as your main job, does it have to do with art or is it completely different? Like from what you I'm
1: write? a I'm a full-time writer now. So um yeah, I uh I write a lot for our comics. Um I always sorry, that was my dog. <laughs> she brought her sneaky in. Um but uh I'm a big fan of, of horror and I wanted to kind of develop that and play with that. But really uh with writing it's still all horror-based. Like, I, okay. I really stuck to the genre. That's cool. <laughs> but this has kind of a cultural perspective to it. And I'm using my mo- the culture my mom taught me with her ghost stories. Mm-hmm. And now I'm sharing those. And then the picture book, Creep in the Corner, yeah. I wanted something to introduce kids to monsters. Ah, you got it, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to have, like, a gateway to horror for children that wasn't traumatic because... Before all, all becoming a writer full-time, I was a preschool teacher. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I wore long sleeves. Nobody saw the tattoos. I, I dressed yeah. normal. Nobody could tell I was a little different. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, before that. So, you know, I saw kids really scared on Halloween. You know, we would try to read fun books to them. And I realized, like, wait a minute. They deserve, like, they, they need something that kind of safely enters them in to see that monsters aren't necessarily scary yeah so uh, that's how creep started.
0: <laughs> that's pretty cool. And what do you find like is the the funnest part about being an artist and what's like the hardest part for you?
1: Um the best part is the community. I love the visual art community, the curating community, and the writing community. I yeah. came into both of those completely green. I didn't know what I was doing, and community members embraced me. I was yeah. supported, and that's how I was able to grow.
0: yeah. That's pretty cool. And what, what do you find the, the most hardest part about being an artist?
1: Uh, probably self-doubt, uh, yeah. not believing in <laughs> myself. Weird. You know, we're all our worst critics. We can tell ourselves horrible things yeah. and believe them. Yeah. And so it's really hard overcoming like this general sense of I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the hardest part is, is doubting yourself, doubting your talent doubting your ability to tell the stories or create the art you want to make that's that's really hard to overcome
0: yeah and I agree I'm definitely one of those two like for you what helps you like to overcome that obstacle of like self-doubt when when you're feeling like that
1: I try to remind myself that life is really short and I don't want to leave this place and feel like I didn't try my best like I didn't yeah. at least I mean if nobody reads the book but i still made it right that's still something that's that i accomplished and i can hold on to yeah. and so yeah i think that kind of helps me get over that yeah. like self doubt yeah. i feel it i process it i try to look at it in a healthy constructive way but yeah it's it's one of those things that's really hard to mentally jump over and i still deal with it i have yeah. to remind myself constantly like it's okay
0: <laughs> yeah but that's good that you don't let it deter you you know from from doing what you want to do so that's really cool well, like, um and we talked about a little bit about like horrorgasm and how you started that with it's a a group of was it for you guys or how many of you guys
1: yes it was four of us so being artists uh some of our partners had different creative creative journeys and we wanted to let them explore that yeah and so now it is just me and atiba royster and we're kind of driving uh horrorgasm like into 2022 and the future
0: Okay, cool and how how is that going? because I know you guys had that that like every I think it's around like around this month, right where you have like yeah. that big event, like are you guys still doing that or what's what's your plans with orgasm?
1: So Atiba and I have been deep diving into our comic anthology series. And so that's taken up a lot of our time, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's been a weird transition. We've been looking all year for like a venue for the events Mm -hmm. and nothing seemed to kind of work out like time-wise schedule wise, because the world opened up and everybody wants to do fun stuff. So we have a lot more competition for venue space now. So our plan in 2023 is get back to doing Smaller art events like we used to, where we'd have like art crawls and work with different like local vendors and have like yeah. a whole kind of community based thing, a little smaller in scale, just because yeah. we don't know how the art market is going to react with like everything going on <laughs> in yeah. the world with recession. People don't tend to want to really spend on luxuries and like a convention, like another convention here, yeah. it's kind of a lot. So we we'll kind of we're just kind of seeing what's happening but we're still we, we're still representing we're still writing we're still creating and yeah. and you'll see more of us I promise. This year was kind of an adjustment year for us but yeah. we'll be back at it.
0: Yeah, let me know like how any way I can help too cuz I was just like the last couple it's kind of crazy cuz all these these last 3 um, interviews I've done everything's kind of interconnected. Uh, with like the community here in San Diego as far as like the, the horror community like I feel like like we said off camera before we got on is like we have like a thriving community but it feels like it's scattered everywhere like it's not as organized yeah. I guess as, as like Orange County or you know how they have the witches Brew or LA where they have these big like you said conventions it would be cool to have that here in San Diego but any way I can help, let me know.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, we're building back to it. We want to have, we want to have, like, the full-blown convention. Like, yeah. that's the dream, right? Like, yes. take over Comic-Con space that would be in cool. October and just celebrate horror, but also, like, pump up our community because exactly. really there's so many of us horror creators mm-hmm. and content creators that are local to us but yeah we're all kind of spaced out we need something that kind of unifies all of us exactly. and i would love for orgasm to be something like that one day where we can celebrate everybody and bring everyone together
0: yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, like for example, like Malvicho does a lot of like the uh, costume giveaways that they do for people that can't, you know, uh, afford that kind of like privilege or, or luxury. I guess for some people, so I'm like, that's pretty cool that they do that. Um, oh, they're amazing. Feedback. Both yeah.
1: of <laughs> both of them, the way they run everything, their creativity, like they're so on top of it. Like I feel like they're living the dream right now. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, I agree. <laughs> they're they're kicking butt in the horror community. Their art shows. are like every art show it's like hard to top, like the level of create the stuff that they're bringing in so it's it's a kind of amazing that we have that like i feel so spoiled that oh my gosh i can just go see i could just go down to barrio logan and enjoy all of that core in one little spot it's amazing
0: yeah yeah that's pretty cool and the fact that they open up their doors to like like for me like I just started doing art so it's kind of cool like I was able to drop off some stuff there for one of the little art shows that they had but it's kind of cool that they open that for for artists um all over so it's pretty cool
1: that is, it's really, I, I love how they're, they're very engaging. They're very good to artists. They treat us all very well. Yeah. Um, and congratulations on jumping into art. I would love thank to you. have you. I'll let you know when we have future shows because okay. we'd love to have you.
0: Yeah, like, that's you. great. Um,
1: I think exploring, exploring art visually and kind of getting into it. I look back on those days as some of the best days of my life, like just learning yeah. in the process and making art. Like that's, it's a wonderful time. Yes. I'm glad you're in it. It's a Thank good Thank you.
0: Yeah, I just got into because I always would like kind of doodle, but I was just like, I never took it like to the, to like too serious, I guess you can say. And then I just started doing it. Like for me, like one thing I battle with is anxiety. Like I'm always just like uh, thinking ahead of making up scenarios. And for me, like one thing that art, like actual, you know, painting and all that stuff has helped me to like be in that moment because you're so into doing, you know, the painting. So I was like, it's helped calm down my anxiety. <laughs>
1: I completely agree. I don't because I can't meditate. Like I, yeah. I'm anxious all the time. Yeah. I probably have undiagnosed ADD because I'm just like, yeah. I'm a little ball of energy and then a crash. Yeah. But yeah, it, I, I feel that anxiety too. I, I definitely understand what that's like working through that. Yeah. And it's almost like when you're creating the art, you get into a really zen space. Yeah. That's like my version of meditating, I feel like, is when I'm doing art or I'm writing because like hours will fall off the clock and I'll feel like fine. Like yeah. I'm not miserable or exhausted. I'm like, oh wow. Okay, this is good. I like this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and obviously you, you share that you um have a love for the genre, like horror genre. How did um how did that start? Like what was it a movie, a book, or what what started your love for the genre?
1: So my parents had a really really liberal sense about movies basically they let us watch whatever we wanted and so my big brother was like yeah we're gonna watch all kinds of stuff and he got us first into like the classic monsters and my parents were really they were so blase about it they were like oh watch whatever you want as long as you know it's fantasy and not real so I I like watched Freddy I watched Friday the 13th series when I was like very young like five or six (laughs) So it really kind of shaped me. And then um I was a big fan of the Wolfman. He was my favorite classic monster. So I got really into like werewolves. And I Uh behind me, I don't know if you can see it, there's a mask on the wall. (laughs) That's my childhood wolfman mask. Like I wore that costume till I grew out of it. Oh my god. So, So I've always been like the biggest horror geek. Like I won't even try to lie. Like I've liked it since I was little. And you know, I I remember being called a freak and a weirdo and all that stuff growing up, but I was so happy with horror. Like I loved our books that we grew up with goosebumps and all those wonderful stories and all that. Like I was so lucky. I I don't know. I was fine being a horror geek. Like it really didn't bother me. I accepted who I was and now that I'm older, I'm just more of that. I'm more myself than I ever have ever been.
0: Yeah, now it makes sense. Like the creep in the corner is like more of a wolfman kind of like vibe yes. to it, right?
1: <laughs> so- oh yeah, <laughs> he absolutely does. And I well, and of course, I had to like make a werewolf little character. Yeah, but I mixed him with a hobgoblin, so yeah. he's not like giant and scary. He's like a little dude that's yeah. <laughs> small and terrifying. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of led into creep actually what inspired creep, uh, aside from my students and trying to like, you know, nurture those little spooky girls in my class who I knew, who I knew I saw that book and I was like, that was me. I was that kid too. Okay. (laughs) Let me write a book for you. (laughs) And so, you know, I, I hear lovely things too. Like the kids who get attached to creep and they buy them or they go to our book fairs or they see us at events. Mm-hmm. I get notes from parents saying they slept with their creep or oh, they nice. haven't put it down. It's their new baby. Like yeah. that, that makes everything worth it. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. and what do you, what do you think? Cause I know one of the things like not necessarily all horror movies have to scare you, but that's one of the main things, you know? So for you, what do you think, um, people like being scared or you yourself why why do you feel like you you like being scared
1: um I think it's a release yeah like they said you know they've had studies that say that people who watch horror movies are more balanced we're calmer (laughs) we have lower blood pressure because we find release and instead of it being like a fear response, it's more of like almost like a pleasure response. Like you yeah. you're enjoying that like heightened awareness and adrenaline pumping yeah, like, through you yeah. while you're watching that horror. It's so cathartic. Like that's that's probably what draws you in is yeah. is all that good brain chemistry that's happening that just sucks yeah. you in.
0: <laughs> True. And obviously like one thing we talk about like uh, about horror movies is like they kind of it's like a controlled environment right where you can face your fears. Um, so for you, like what, what does fear mean to you? And do you have a, a, f- a fear that you haven't overcome or you have overcome?
1: Um, I would say, uh, probably the most, the most thing that get, I, I would say, you know, cause there's, there's logical fears, right? You're yeah. afraid you're going to get hit by a car or, you're, you know, some yeah, yeah. you know, kind of like everyday kind of fear, Yeah. but the stuff that I find really paralyzing is the loss of self and identity okay. that horrifies me the concept of losing who you are and what makes you you and how do you reconcile that like how do you how do you live with that like that terrifies me the uncertainty <laughs> the unknown um all of those things are really hard to deal with yeah so i i would say that those things that that's what freaks me out more than any jump scare yeah more than you know exorcist reagan's head spinning around <laughs> is like true to life horrors that really we have to confront right the things that we have to yeah. see that we don't want to look at like th- that's terrifying
0: yeah that's crazy that you say that because i just interviewed uh cinebeth uh Beth and uh, she said yeah. the same thing she said that's what terrifies you i was like i never even thought about that she said oh, like old timers like forgetting who uh, you are
1: <laughs> but yes yeah that's that's so terrifying that 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 in itself that kind of illness that that robs you of you yeah get, it makes sense
0: yeah and um for you what's like your top five scary movies I know it kind of changes for me and probably for you too but what would you say like right now today would be your top five
1: top five so number one of course American Werewolf in London oh I love that one too my favorite movie I binged it like (laughs) I just it's all so good um number two would be Near Dark yeah I love Bill Paxton yeah (laughs) he was so good as Severin in that movie and it's it's a horror western, and it's just—it's yeah, so well but, told. It's an excellent movie. Um, number three would probably be Lost Boys. Okay. Just because I mean Lost Boys, like I'm wearing a Lost Boys shirt. Okay. Yes, Yeah, Lost Boys is that uh Poltergeist, like Poltergeist, because that's a comfort watch. Yeah. Like I watched that movie so much during COVID lockdown. Like and unhealthy oh my god <laughs> like it was just on in the background <laughs> and then um probably oh the very last one I'm gonna go nostalgic I'm gonna say monster Squad. okay because <laughs> that's like that's you know it's so safer it well the language is a little cringy some things did not age well yeah <laughs> but um just the sentiment of it I love that movie
0: yeah. Near, Near Dark is a good one, too. I feel like that one, like actually that one is like one for me, it's like a hidden gem for some people because I remember I was trying to find the DVD and it's like really rare, I guess. And I, I finally mm-hmm. found it at one of the conventions. I was like so happy. I was like, yes, but. Oh, I- yeah.
1: I'm I'm surprised they haven't re-released that like Severn Films or yeah. one of the other like indie like horror video releases like that and uh, Fright Night Part 2 from yeah, the 80s. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, those are two that are like you can't find now.
0: Yeah. And I, what I like about Near Dark is like one of the the first and probably only vampire movies that kind of found a cure to vampires yeah. right with the blood transfusion, which I was, I would have never thought about that. But I'm like, oh, that's pretty smart.
1: <laughs> it was. It was really it was a clever way to like look at it as more like it's a disease of the blood. Yeah. And so it felt it felt more real. Like it did feel like those people could exist. Oh, Yeah. Like, you're wandering down, like, your car breaks down, you're stuck on, a, like, a lonely highway. Yeah. Like, I would not be surprised to see, like, Lance Hendrickson show up all vamped out. Like, I mean, it feels like it could happen. Not that it would, but, you know, you get that sense of it. Like, it was more grounded and, and kind of a, a eerily close reality.
0: Yeah, like, the fact that most of them were, like, not nice people. It was, like, imagine <laughs> if, like, mean people became vampires. Or even, like, also, like, the aspect of, like, the little kid that he was pissed off that he was a little kid. Like, you know, I was like, nobody even thought about that, like being a little kid forever. Well, kind of like the interview with the vampire, right? So
1: Exactly. That's like the nightmare, right? Is you're stuck as a child, but your brain grows. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's another (laughs) horror all in itself. But yeah, that was was a real original one. I was really impressed with uh, Near Dark. That was always one of my favorites as a kid. I always liked watching it.
0: Yeah, I just rewatched it too, not that long ago. And I was like, yeah, it still holds up. Really good film.
1: It really Um, does, yeah. And um, since you're a writer,
0: right, um, one thing I like to ask, sometimes I kind of like uh, stun the people with this one, but what if you could create your own like horror survival room, what would it be?
1: Well, oh, man, if that would that's a tough one. I know. Because, you know, not- everyone I don't know wants to done. make it. Yeah, everyone wants to make it as the final girl. And like, what do you do to survive a situation yeah. like that? Maybe never run up the stairs. That's probably like level one. Yeah. If you're gonna survive at all, don't run up into your bedroom. Cause the killer or the monster, it's already there or it's coming after you. Like, yeah. I never got that decision. So yeah, if I had like That's a horror thing. rule. Don't run up the freaking stairs. Yeah. Um
0: and how do you feel like the horror genre is doing today? I know a lot of people have like you know mixed feelings about it some people are really happy like for me I, i'm i'm glad it's it's still it's i think it's like the number 1 genre in my opinion because a lot of like netflix all these different uh, streaming services kind of are catering to horror now uh what are, what are your thoughts
1: yeah it's um it's an interesting time for horror because at this, like we have the most representation of POC that at any point yeah. in in horror, that's we true. have um we have so many directors and so many re- talented writers, and they're telling their story from their perspective. And for one, I think it builds empathy because we can relate to someone we might not otherwise relate to. And I feel like that's really exciting. I think those kind of stories are the ones that are going to be like the new classics. Yeah, because a wider audience can relate to them, and they're telling a story that's really like relatable. Yeah, and if you think about good horror, it survives the test of time. Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Romero said he wasn't intentionally like being political in there, but like a lot of that like fear and just like mom mentality, all of that stuff still is super relevant today.
0: Yeah, that's true. So
1: that's I. Think like the themes that are being explored now mm-hmm. will be relevant in the future. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. I wish it wasn't that way. Yeah, but I think, I think that kind of relevance. uh My biggest bone to pick with the genre is the whole elevated horror. I know, yeah, same here. <laughs> because like, I I don't know if you've know like it's those kind of stories and their proximity to like whiteness and that experience that's been told a million times. Yeah, it's kind of t- it's like exhausting. Like, haven't we seen this before? And what, it's elevated because what, they want to look down their nose at our genre? Like, no, that's ridiculous. It's pretentious.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where that, like, subgenre or whatever. I think it was, like, Scream maybe that brought it up. That's the first time I had ever heard that term, like where they're joking around is like oh i like elevated (laughs) horror
1: (laughs) oh yeah those that term really floats around like a24 movies and i I don't hate i don't want to hate on a24 because i i really respect what they're they're doing and if it's bringing another generation into horror and it's it's speaking their language then then i guess i'm i am i am okay with you know what they're doing it's not my particular taste but then again i I like the 80s horror that's my favorite (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if. Now I'm getting I old, so <laughs> yeah. I think it's, like I,
0: I, it's like I pick different ones. Like for me, like I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of A24, but I do like some like Hereditary. I you know that's kind of another one where like people hate it or love it. I I like it. Yeah, Midsummer not so not so much for me, but you know, but it, it's everybody has their own taste, which is cool. That's what I like about horror too is like the subgenres now that we have, yeah. so you can choose from whatever you like. You know,
1: <laughs> that's true. There's a little something for everyone. If you like. Ghosts and goblins, there's supernatural horror. If you like, you know, bodies getting chopped up. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's grindhouse horror. There's yeah. you know body horror. There's so there's a little yeah. bit of something for everyone. And also there's like family friendly horror, which you know I still love that kind of stuff. Like I still watch Hocus Pocus. I still yeah. you know do all the little things I used to do as a kid around this time of year specifically. But I think there's a lot of like family-friendly horror coming this way it's really it's exciting it's exciting the different levels and how it's reaching broader audiences from old and young
0: yeah that's true yeah and for you like obviously you say you're working like on on a novel and everything like that like would you eventually like venture into like screenwriting or anything like that because like you know we're talking about representation and all that stuff would would that be something that you're would be willing to do (laughs)
1: Oh, I'm absolutely open to writing um, for, for screenplay. Uh, writing actually it was a hobby. I did it just for fun for a while, just to like learn the practice of it and just kind of understand how you're telling stories in a different way. Like yeah. with comics, it's short media. You you have a few pages to tell your story and really what carries your story are the visuals. Yeah. and in a novel you take it much slower you're telling a like a story where you have to really build this world mm-hmm. where film it's visual again so it kind of like it's it's much easier to tell the story visually yeah. um so I actually really leaned into screenwriting and really mm-hmm. really enjoyed it I hope I get the opportunity to do it more um initially at one point there was a discussion of turning Tales of Horrorgasm our indie comic uh-huh. into a TV series.
0: Oh wow. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so
1: I actually I have an entire like series bible and a script mm-hmm. for the pilot episode ready to go.
0: Oh wow. Yeah,
1: that's so there's really producers cool. out there.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to like reach up. out to you. I'm gonna have to reach out to you because I'm like I was I'm trying to get into like filmmaking and that's one thing Ooh. like yeah, so I try. I tried my first stab at like doing a screen, like a script for like also like a a short film, but maybe I'll, I'll send it to you and you can look at it and see what what you think. Cause it, it's,
1: oh, absolutely! Yeah. I would love to. I <laughs> I love that's that's one of the best part is collaborating with other with other writers and stuff and seeing like their ideas and how they tell a story. I love that so absolutely. I would love to read it.
0: Yeah, and what I like about your the tales of orgasm is like because I was um. I've been thinking of doing this for, like, a long time, too, and, like I said, now that I'm moving into filmmaking, I'm kind of trying to, like, figure out how I'm going to do everything, but it kind of, I, I don't know if yours came from, also from Tales from the Crypt, but, like, for me, that's where the inspiration for this, like, short, like, a series, I guess you can call it. It's called, like, um, Las Leyendas de Mi Abuelita, or, like, The Ooh. Legends of My Grandma. Um, I love that. And it would be cool because the way I envision is kind of like tells from the crypt, where it's like every episode is like a, a, like a lesson. Because my grandma, same thing, kind of like your mom, like she mm-hmm. would tell us stories too, like like different legends, like a folk Mexican folklore. And yes, so yeah. I've always wanted to like bring that to life because now she passed away, but we never got to like oh. write them down. But I still remember some of them, you know. So it'd be cool to like yeah. do it in that format.
1: That sounds like stories that need to be told. I yeah. this, that's awesome because it's true our, the folklore, our legends are yes. really, really dark. Like it, yeah. they're, they're terrifying. And uh, actually, when I was little, we went to a, a relative's wedding in Mexico, one of my, my mom's cousins uh-huh. and the, the, my male cousins, the boys were teasing me, um, telling me that La Llorona was going to get me if I went outside. Yeah. We <laughs> were being really scared, but Later after the wedding, we got home and I asked my Molita, I said, well, why Rona can't get me right? Because I'm here in San Diego. I'm like far, I'm far away. She's not going to get me. And she laughs and says, mija, we bring our ghosts with us. That's a good one. Trauma. (laughs) Totally dramatized me. But it's true because we carry them with us. We carry those stories and they're a little different depending on where you are like La Llorona, the story it's different in central Mexico it at yeah. the further south you go the more the story changes yeah. and now up here in the, in the north like yeah like it's also changed yeah. and it's interesting because other people are telling our stories
0: that's what I was gonna say yeah
1: yeah and like that's heartbreaking like the film La Llorona like oh. Yes. I have issues, yeah, <laughs> I have yeah. issues with it, no and um, yeah. So uh, I, I just I, I remember like seeing the white savior show up, and I was instantly pissed off. Yeah, we need to tell our own stories because mm-hmm. the ones who re- rescue us isn't the white savior. We rescue ourselves. Yeah. We're their survivors. The fact that we're working and still enjoying our culture that just proves that yeah. we're survivors, and we sh- yeah. we should we sh- we need the platform for it. And I think a lot of um atina creators are trying to push through that wall as well
0: yeah yeah i agree yeah i agree with that it was like gonna be my next point is like i i want to see more like we have that now like like gigi saul guerrero is like one of my favorite like up-and-coming like mexican film directors. oh yeah
1: amazing Yeah. Yes. so
0: like it's cool to see that like more of that like I, i've seen a lot like this year alone like independent horror films like i think there was another one's called mal de ojo and it's
1: like yes um, i saw that yes.
0: yes and it's like i think he's a i think he's mexican too mexican director but it's just cool yes, to mexican see that. director
1: mexican writer mexican cast
0: yeah so i'm like it's cool to see that happening like uh like you said being uh done by our people because it's been told like you said by like the people that are not supposed to be writing these things and it's just gone bad but i mean even i think they just did a new llorona to it but it was just really bad it was like uh daniel uh danny trejo was in it
1: yes okay i saw that one
0: i I haven't seen it it yet i just saw the like the cover i think
1: it's up on tubi right now
0: okay i have to watch it i mean not that um not to be mean i love danny trejo but he doesn't do like he's not an
1: a-list you know, no, movies. he he's amazing. He's a really he's a really yeah. good guy. Like um, I, I love him, I adore Danny Trejo. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, you know, I get it, he's gotta pay the bills, right? Yeah. Gotta pay the bills. Yeah. But um, yeah, our stories being told by us, that's how it should be.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, especially now cultural, there's like a huge shift especially among young creators. These Gen Z kids don't put up with nothing. And they're very vocal about representation and what it means to be a part of a culture and to tell that story and how they're pushing back against like internalized colonialism and all of that stuff that we carry with us and we're trying to work through. And it's amazing seeing how people who have worked through it are telling amazing stories.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. It's, I'm excited to see what's what's coming up, because I've been seeing, like, a lot of announcements. I think they just, I don't know if you saw the announcement today, um, where they're redoing, um, I think, some, Marca La Hora de Terror, or something like that, I forget what it was, but it's what made, like, Guillermo del Toro and all those people, like, blow up, and yeah. Gigi is, like, part of it, the guy that directed Mal de Ojos, so that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, oh my gosh, that sounds exciting. Like, I, i that's, ugh. I'm that target audience for that for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, so
0: I'm so I'm excited. Exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a good time. It's a good time to be a Latina curator, a Dichcana creator, to see how like, okay, these people open these doors. Mm-hmm. Now we gotta rush in. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's let's let's, you know, make sure we're telling stories that are captivating. We're creating art that reflects not only our culture, but our resilience and our strength.
0: Yeah, and no, I agree. Yeah, and I think even um, recently, too, like even seeing people in like in those roles too, like the main characters. Because growing up, I didn't really see like a lot of brown people, even in in yeah. Mexico. Mexican television, they talk about colorism, right? Where it's like a lot of like light skinned, or some of them not even uh, Mexican, which a lot of people don't know this, but like a lot of the actors in like soap operas or telenovelas. Are mostly like from like they're Russian, Argentinian, like yeah. they're not even Mexican. So that's another thing too. That's like ra- racism in our own, in our own TV. But it's good cool to see oh, you know yeah. more uh, brown people. Um, yes,
1: like, like yeah, Wakanda, because... you
0: know, <laughs> with Wakanda uh, having the, the
1: number <laughs> Oh Tenoch Oh yeah. my okay. goodness, Yes. he was terrifying, and tigers are not afraid. He's amazing. Yes. Yes. Um, I wish, I wish we weren't the villain. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, man, okay, we're in it, but why are we the villain? Like, yeah. come on. Um, but the, hopefully, you know, they change their minds and go after colonizers. Yeah. Let's join forces exactly. and go after That's them. That's
0: what I'm thinking. We'll see.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, colorism's a big issue. And I mean I am talking about it as a light skin Latina like yeah <laughs> I very much understand the privilege that comes with looking like this mm-hmm. my siblings they're uh, you, I think you've met my big brother but like okay. he's big and brown and my little sister is brown and beautiful I'm the only one who came out like a ghost I'm not yeah. <laughs> sure what happened but um I see them and my nephew like They they deserve to be seen on television and have people look like them. Mm -hmm. Like I can't imagine how like it's so disenfranchising to see like, oh, okay uh, there's a white dude playing a Mexican or, or, you know, a Cuban or, you know, that you see these white people put in place and then they're doing brown face. And it's like that wasn't that long ago. (laughs) Like that's still a thing. Like, like yeah. I think James Franco is playing Casper. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say that. Yeah, that was like the biggest outrage like, most recently. I oh, was, like, man, really? We have like, so many Latino like, you know, actors, and it's like you chose him. And, like, really?
1: <laughs> I know, I know, right? Like Pedro Pascal, I'm sure would be available. <laughs> what are we doing
0: and didn't james Franco just get canceled too like with this whole thing going on with the me too movement and then all of a sudden he does this i'm like who's his pu- uh, publicist Cause I'm like,
1: <laughs> right about. like how is this dude still getting work he like harassed women horribly yeah. and he can still get a job i mean i'm not saying like castro was a good dude because mm-hmm. no but yeah. like can't we get a cubano to play the role someone appropriate someone who hasn't been canceled who's not like a scumbag that would be yeah, great seriously <laughs> um and that's it's so weird that that's like an argument now that we actually like that's a discussion we have to have
0: yeah I agree it's
1: 2022 and we're still punching at that brick wall trying to get through
0: yeah I agree um and for you like what's what's one piece of advice you would give to someone um that's trying to get into the you know the art community
1: uh just dive in Go to some art shows, go to um book clubs if you're a writer and you want to meet other writers, go to book clubs, just kind of you don't have to put yourself out there immediately, go a couple times, see who's like a regular there. People will chat with you. Like they'll come up to you and talk. If you go to an yeah. art show and you're nervous, because I I that was me. Yeah. <laughs> was scared. So I would tell them just start going to the thing, start joining book clubs, go to art walks go to art shows that's the way you get in is meet people it's a very kind community most people are really giving they don't i i if you're a first-time artist and you like horror and want to do a show email me send me your work i'll keep you in mind and i'll have you in a show in the future if you're a writer and you want to write a horror comic story and you have one ready to go email me we'll add you to our list of other writers and artists that we want to be really inclusive with the community so just remember it's a good place with good people and it's okay to be nervous.
0: Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's really great advice. Um, cause that's the only way I think like, that's how I, I got into like the whole hip hop and the horror community here. It's like just kind of like you said, dive in and get to know people because that's the main way you build like relationships with people, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The community is good. The horror community here is good. Yeah. We just San Diego a good spot for all of this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, um, for you, who influenced like, or who influences your art? Is there somebody's like specific, like another artist or where do you get your inspiration from?
1: Um, most Mostly pop, like pop culture, like films. Okay. Um, so if I see a movie and it like hits me, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, I gotta make a sculpture of something of that character. So it's yeah. usually external. It's usually from movies or television. Um, what inspires me is, yeah, the the art around me, what's kind of in my environment, what I'm absorbing, what I'm seeing. But the thing that will always motivate me is my mom. Oh,
0: that's good. You know, she was, <laughs>
1: yeah. she was amazing and she was very creative and she wanted to be a writer. Yeah. And she wrote stories for me. Yeah. And whenever I'm feeling like, what am I doing? Am I making a terrible life decision? Yeah. I'll read what she wrote to me for, in her journal. because yeah. She knew I'd, you know, have it one day. Yeah. And her message to me to just keep trying and keep going. Yeah. And so I think about the stories she told me. Our folklore are yeah. are like horror, horror stories. Yeah. And I carry those in my heart. I carry I carry that. So really it's it's San Diego. That's my wealth. This is where I, I draw all my creativity from. It feeds me, it it nourishes me. And I feel like I will forever love San Diego. This whole place will always be my home.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like a a way to keep her legacy alive too, you know, like telling. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, because I see her in everything. I I don't know how she'd feel (laughs) about all the horror stuff, but right, probably she would be uncomfortable with some of those themes. Yeah. But really, like, I wish she was still here so there were some things I could show her, like more cultural pride, more chenisma, more because that's what we are now everyone's so bold and my mom was really reserved yeah I would have loved to have pulled that like let her see like our culture should be celebrated you don't have to hide yeah you know you don't have to just speak English in public you don't you know you can embrace your culture and be at it freely without worry exactly and I just that's that was such a powerful way to live and think and I just I try to carry that with me I'm moving forward creatively I think it will always drive me I will always write her strength. Yeah. as my characters every every heroine will be my mom
0: yeah that's pretty cool um and who, who would you say is your favorite um horror writer or and do you have any favorite book
1: oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh uh neil gaiman oh, yeah, <laughs> the ocean know. at the end of the lane
0: uh-huh.
1: oh my god that book is beautiful it tells the story of the Maiden Mother Crone mm-hmm. in such a really like fascinating and beautiful way. And we have our, our version of that in our own culture. And I saw how those two connected and it was just really beautiful. That's, that's one of my favorite books. If I want to have nightmares, I'll read Paul Tremblay yeah. or <laughs> Gabino Iglesias. Okay. Those two guys, they will horrify you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> What's a book by Gabino uh, Iglesias? It sounds familiar. I, I uh, so he
1: did... Um, there's the devil takes you and then he's do he did um sent him with it
0: okay okay to there's check a few
1: other out. titles he's got out that i haven't oh um coyote song i think is one of uh, another one of his okay uh but yeah his he uses he writes in Spanish like there's spanish in his book like whole paragraphs and it's really oh, wow. amazing to read through that <laughs> yeah and that it's okay to have that in books yeah, yeah. People, you can, like, it's okay to have Spanish and English in a book and even yeah, Spanglish. Like, I use Spanish cool. in my book. Oh, yeah. Gosh. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Cineplayo is also an amazing, um, an amazing poet and writer. And she's from Chicago. And so she has, like, she has a different cultural perspective mm-hmm. that I find really refreshing. And a lot of her noirs are amazing. There's a lot of really good indie horror out there.
0: Yeah there, yeah there is I've been finding that out because I was trying to get somebody like an author on here and I just went down the rabbit hole and I was like, oh my god there's so many like author, like independent authors out here even Latinos too I was like, oh that's cool.
1: oh there's a know. lot of us it's amazing yeah. um there's uh uh Mexican Gothic was another really good novel oh, yeah, yeah. by Silvia Moreno Garcia that's mm-hmm. that was scary that book yeah. the atmosphere she created and she told a Gothic horror story set in Mexico. Um, brilliant
0: yeah that's pretty cool um and what's like um is there any recent film like new film that you've watched that you recommend or that you liked
1: um i enjoyed the black folk
0: yes that was a good one
1: ethan Hawke is frightening (laughs) he's so intense and he like had half his face covered yeah for like the whole movie like you couldn't see the top or the bottom at different points and so we're only seeing half his face, but he's still being absolutely horrifying. That's <laughs> yeah. talent right there. <laughs>
0: yeah, I love like the the whole cast was like well picked out. Like the little girl for me stole the show. Like she was just freaking hilarious. <laughs>
1: oh my God, she was great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> So yeah she I, I like wish I had her stomach
0: yeah like she like defended her brother too she didn't give a fuck I was, I was like oh wow. yeah she was a little
1: badass she, <laughs> she was great
0: yeah she kind of reminded me a little bit of my my little sister too because like she's one of those two where she just like fights everybody's battles but also like the fact that she had the the dreams like my little sister has that oh. too where she has dreams and sometimes they come true so it's kind of cool to have that aspect added to the story I was like oh that's really cool
1: I like that yeah it, that was an interesting it was an interesting way to tell that kind of story and that kind of you know that's another ghost story where it's like the ghosts aren't necessarily the bad guys yeah exactly and I like
0: the fact that they kind of tied it in with like they did a good job of like building the the character of her and like uh, also like her mom how the mom said something psychological and the dad thought if she was going crazy but maybe she just had yeah. a gift you know and maybe she kind of lost sense of reality maybe but the fact that she oh, didn't want the daughter to, like, have the same thing happen to her was, like, pretty heartbreaking.
1: <laughs> I think it is. And that's another thing I think we carry with us is, like, and in my book, it does deal with that, um, the stigma of mental illness yes. and what that means. And especially in our culture, you know, you're, you're not supposed to get help. You're not supposed to be depressed. Like, we have so much. We're supposed to be lucky, especially if we live here. You know, yes. Parents worked so hard to give us the life that we have now. It's one of those things that a lot of people just suffer inside. Yeah. And that that sensitivity to those things too, I think, adds to that. And you you play with the idea of what is reality, like what is happening to me, what I'm experiencing, and a lot of that goes into like domestic violence. Like uh, my book deals with that a lot. Yeah. Um, because my mom was a domestic violence survivor in her previous marriage, and um, I wanted to avenge her. Yeah. You no, know, I wanted to her battle i wanted to save her you know yeah. and unfortunately she passed and so she would you know i never got to she just didn't get the opportunity to yeah
0: yeah but like, that kind
1: of yeah. stuff is real heavy
0: yeah but
1: the beautiful thing about horror is we're allowed to like search that we're allowed to dive into those topics and things that would otherwise be taboo or would be looked down on we can really take the gloves off as cre- horror creators and Like, look at these things in society that we have to deal with, domestic violence, abuse, um, and and dealing with kind of loss of identity. And so there's so much of those things that we can address in fiction, especially horror fiction.
0: Yeah. Even like recently, I mean, it wasn't a horror, it was like more, it was a true crime one. I don't know if you've seen it. I forget what the name of it is called. But um, it was just kind of like, I never really thought about it, but like how a lot of like Latinos or just people of color in general... Uh, back in the day you would get, um, you know, you would be thrown in jail for a a crime that you didn't commit is just because you tend to look like this person or whatever. Like I forgot what the name of this uh, documentary was really good, but this guy looked exactly like this other Mexican guy. And he, uh, I think where it was, I think it might've been in Texas somewhere where they had the death penalty and, um, they pretty much found him guilty. Um, he kept saying that it was another guy with the same exact name, but different last name. And nobody was like, no, we can't find him, whatever. And then, like, somebody did some digging after, like, he ended up getting killed, like, d- through the death penalty and stuff like that. And they found out that this guy did exist. He was known for, like, being violent to women. And he ended up dying uh, in prison as well, but for a different crime. But he never got tried for, like, killing this other woman. And I was like, wow, that's so crazy. And, like, the fact that, like, all these injustices happen, you know, where, like, oh, yeah. you're, like, for the wrong
1: It is. And a lot of people are so desensitized to like that true life kind of crime. Like we find it fascinating. Like the, the, the Jeffrey Dahmer show. Yeah, He went after POC, like the victims were Brown people. And I feel like, you know, we can address content like that and look at those kind of things. And I'm glad that at least they touched on a little bit of what was happening socially and how the Mm -hmm. system failed. Yes. POC and how it allowed for someone like that to terrorize a community for as long as he did yeah and unfortunately I don't think much has changed since the 80s yeah no, I agree like I mean it's it's weird because I mean we've all been home for years and we were you know a couple of years now we've been having to see all this terrifying stuff on the news and I think that's a lot of real life horror
0: <laughs> like, yeah that's a lot
1: of real life horror and it's something that I think a lot of us are starting to examine, and we're examining it in our work. I know I addressed racism in my book, and man, did I get some really angry rejections from publishers saying no one wants to read about a, a brown person killing racist. No one wants to read about, uh, you know, a bunch of angry white people dying, <laughs> which yeah. I did. I wrote a little bit of revenge in there for yeah. us. Um, I couldn't help myself. I was angry. And I feel like we're not allowed to even show that anger mm-hmm. because we get dismissed. That's true. So instead we can channel all this stuff, take that darkness and create something with it.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like with the whole Jeffrey Dahmer, like I didn't even really think of that that way. Cause maybe I was so young when I heard about it and I actually wrote a paper on him, but I never saw the, the racial part of it until I watched the the movie or the show. And I was like, Oh Wow. Yeah. I didn't even think about that I was like all oh, the victims yeah they were brown it was in the he was in a community where it was just like people that the cops didn't care about him and then okay. so many like th- like three or four times he got away because of his white privilege pretty much so I was like
1: "Oh yeah, what? the body all, and the- do. all the great all the, the, the big name serial killers yeah all of these guys got close to being caught but had their you were able to use their privilege mm-hmm. to get out of it
0: yeah
1: you know because women aren't listened to or you know uh, minorities aren't listened to we're you know we're we're silenced and there's a lot of power given to those men that they exploited yeah in a real horrifying way
0: yeah (laughs) yeah it's crazy um and um for you um how do you define success as an artist
1: that's a tough one right because I think we're dealing with a lot of like expectations of what our lives should be like oh I should be a homeowner at this age and I should be able to fully support myself with my work like no you make art you show it you don't show it but you create it you're still an artist that's still successful you took something that was nothing raw materials and you harnessed it into something you created. And so, I think that's the best part of this process is just that creation and focusing on that—that success. Um, I I think if you create something and it touches someone's heart, they relate to your story. They they like your picture book character. You create something that connects with someone. That's success to me. Uh, you know, monetary success, having side gigs—that's kind of the life of a millennial right? We have, we have day jobs and then we have our side gigs and I was fortunate enough that now, yes, I can call myself a writer full-time, but I'm not sure how long I'll be able to do that. You know, financially it's tough here. It's expensive. Yeah. So as long as it's sustainable, I'll keep doing it. Um, but as far as a success, I don't know. Monetary success is hard to say if that's actually a factor nowadays. Yeah. Really. It's just, creating something out of nothing, starting something and finishing it because I've known plenty, plenty of really talented people who start things and then they can't finish it. Never. true. And so, and and that can get you really down and that's okay if that happens. I have projects that are going to probably never get finished, (laughs) but the fact that I do make stuff, I still put it out there. That's success.
0: Yeah, and I like that you say that because I talk about that with my with my little sister too about like just putting it out there and like like you said creating something out of nothing like that means like even for me like because I do music too and like creating like an actual song like sometimes I doubt myself like we were talking about earlier but then I think about like who can create like a song not everybody can do that not everybody can go and paint you know so something so simple like that is success like you said I like that you put it that way pretty cool. Um, and one thing before we get out of here, uh, what, what do you want your art to be remembered for?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. (laughs) Um, man, to quantify everything, I, I, I want, I want to leave people with the feeling of nostalgia that they can read one of my books or they can buy one of my art pieces and it connects with something inside them. And like that's what I want. I want to be remembered for like for making a difference in the community. Yeah, and for giving voice to other creators and support to other creators. Um, it's just that I tried, that I went for it.
0: Yeah, cool. Yeah, you're you're um you're doing that. Like I said, you're like really inspirational. I don't really like normally the people that I pick. Like I said, I kind of curate. The people that I have on my podcast, and it usually is people like like you yourself that I admire and inspiring to me because I'm like I want to be where you guys are at. Like I'm I'm walk going there, you know, walking my way there.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, but- and you're you're there you're already there, honey. Like thank you with with having this podcast. I I I'm a fan of I'm a fan. Like thank you. <laughs> I mean, your podcast is really cool, and you give a really unique insight into horror like i didn't know about horror rap like i listened to horror punk now i'm like i'm like oh this is like good stuff like you've introduced me to like new ways of enjoying horror and so you're already doing it you're already there
0: (laughs) thank you um and one last thing too um because obviously follow uh, your social media creep in the corner you also have um after dark creations right and then horror yeah um is there anything else you want to share before we get out of here? Like any upcoming shows, anything like that?
1: Oh, yes. Okay. So my story that deals with the subversion of the legend of La Llorona, mm-hmm. that's going to be available at Amazon and Barnes and Noble, Kindle and paperback. And it's coming out October 22nd. So oh, wow. you can actually pre-order it now. Oh, okay, And cool. then... The Creep in the Corner, is I going to be at DesignerCon in Anaheim on November 18th through the 20th. I'm going to be booth TD11. So come say hi to me. And my brother Kat is going to be there with his like horror kind of company. <laughs> I used to have that. He sells like coll- like vintage monster collectibles. He has all kinds of stuff. But he's a horror fanatic like I am. So his horror VHS that he sells, I just, oh my gosh. I really have to stop myself from trying to steal it from him. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's really cool.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So we'll be, we'll be at a uh, designer con. So come say hi to us. Adopt a creep in the corner. We'll be there. But yeah. And then if um, we have our trade paperback for Ho- tales of orgasm, our comic is at orgasmsd.com and yeah, check out my business partner. Well, as well, Atibak. He's an awesome artist and is the best partner I could ask for. So yeah, check us out.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much again for, for meeting with me. And I appreciate you. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun.
0: Likewise. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in for another episode of Nightmare on Sedgwick Avenue. Um, Go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel uh, if you haven't done so already, or you can also stream this on all um, streaming platforms. Thank you.